listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here. Welcome to a special edition of the Hawks Insiders podcast. We are going to be joined very shortly by the General Manager of Football at the Hawthorne Football Club, Rob McCartney, to unpack what has been a very, very busy couple of weeks for the club. But before he joined us, hello, Danny Prince. Ash, great to be here. Um, really excited to have a chat to Rob, especially post-trade period. I think um, there's, there's no shortage of things to talk about, that's for sure. We have a list of questions as long as several arms, which we probably won't get through them all, but uh, so much happened and they really were. I mean, objectively, they were the talk of the, of the trade period by the end, by a lot of the uh, commentariat. So uh, they certainly were very active. Yeah, look, the Hawks are always the talk of the Hawks insiders, but they were legitimately the talk of all of the media, um, especially on that last day. I I had some reservations as to whether they get all the deals done and they managed to. So they've brought in four new players and we've said farewell to, I think, seven or eight already. So um, over the course of the you know trade and delisting. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what this list looks like come next year and what uh, Rob and I guess um, Peter Burge and Sam Mitchell's plans are for them over the preseason, off season and preseason. Yeah, Rob's with us now. So let's have our chat with him. Rob McCartney, welcome back to Hawks Insiders. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Ash and Daniel. Um, good to be with you. It's great to have you here. It's been a really couple of, it's been a frantic couple of weeks for Hawthorne. I, I just want you to take us into that last day. You had six pieces of business to do. Mark McKenzie and team did an amazing job. What if you could just walk us through who was in the room, how frantic was it, and were you concerned that you might not get all six items done? Um. So let's start with the first bit. Who's who's in the room and who's part of those conversations? So um, Mark gets to to be the front person, but um, you know the work that uh, Mark Finnegan and Mitch Cashin uh, do in that space as well is is really important. So um, and then from the uh, the additional sense, I suppose my my role in this is to oversee the conversations. Um, ask the the pointed questions at different times, maybe um, have a captain's call if if there's needed to be one. Um, but yeah, look, you know they they work so well together. Um, they're methodical around what they've they've got to do. Um, but yes, we got to last day and we had six six moving pieces, I suppose as as you put it before. Um, and did we ever think that we wouldn't get them done? Um, Oh, look, it, it is a bit of an unknown, but there's a, a level of confidence that while they hadn't um, got to that stage of, of being finalised, there'd been a lot of work that had been done in a number of those throughout the, the nine days and even before that. So, yeah, there was a there was a there an air of confidence that we knew what we had to do. Um, we had a strategy and we were going to, to deliver on it. Um, obviously, uh, Rob, there were quite a few names uh, that went out and that came in through the door. Um, on the last day in and of itself, we saw uh, Jacob Kaczynski and Brandon Ryan depart. Um, previously, we saw Tyler Brockman move on uh, and then brought in Mabio Chol, Jack Ginevan, Massimo D'Ambrosio and the return of Jack Gunston. Um, when you look at, I guess, business as a whole, do you, do you say that 
do we look back and do we say, you know, our list is now stronger because of the work that we've done there or, you know, where does it sit from a, from a list perspective? Yeah, I suppose, um, again, you know, looking at the strategy that, that we had going into to this period, we we're specific and, and targeted about what we needed to do. So I know that um, you guys follow us really, really closely. So you, you look at, look down back at the moment for our Hawthorne list and we've got talent in our back end. Um, and I reckon even before the start of last season, we would have said, oh, look, our, our, um, our back end's our, our strength. Um, what we do need to get a little bit better with at that end of the ground is a little bit of our defensive method. You know, teams did score against us at different times a little bit too easily. So, but what we think is the talents there. So, you know, you've got, you've got the key pillars of, of, of Sicily and, and, and then the, you know, the good rebounding players of, and we didn't see a lot of him this year, but, but Chankwath Jath and, and Scrimshaw and, and Impey and Weddle, you know, where, where he's come in 12 months of footy, um, so you've, you've got nice depth. You've got Blank, who's who's starting to develop. We did look at uh, this trade period to find that other key defender to, to probably support, support the transition of Frost, um, but weren't able to land that one. But we were, we were reasonably confident that if we had to go into the season in 2024 with that, that defensive group, we had enough talent there. Our midfield was probably the focus the previous off season. And we made some decisions, not so much to bring players in. Um, we made some decisions to, to provide some opportunity to those who are already here. Um, but it did require us to make some, some tough decisions around um, some more experienced players uh, within that midfield. So realistically, when you, you talk about those two areas of the ground, you then go to your forward end and you say, well, what did you say this year when you went to the footy? You saw, a team that had the ability to get it inside their forward 50 enough to, to, to kick a score, but probably not enough talent to kick a, to, to kick that score. So we really were targeted once, um, you know, the season ended that we wanted to add to, to our front end. And that's where, you know, more or less the, the strategy was in, in terms of, of what we were looking at and then what we needed to make sure that we could, we could bring in. What I will say on the back end of that too, though, is that, this adding the missing pieces part of, of, of our, our list build isn't a sort of a one-off season type of approach. You know, we're still very much in the market as we move forward and we've been strategic around our, our TPP to be able to, you know, look at a key defender, look at a key forward as we move over seasons, you know, 2024, 25 as well. So, um, yeah, we're we're not finished yet. Is I suppose the 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 outcome, and are we better? I think we're better. We'll answer about each of the players brought in quickly. The first one we'll go with Jack Gunston, and the the commentary around and the, everyone loves the romance of him being back at Hawthorne in the number nineteen. Um, we all do, but the commentary around it is that you know you, you you've gone the hard rebuild, and over the course of the season, you brought the footy commentariat along for the ride, and Pretty much everyone gave Hawthorne a major tick. Now we're hearing from people that, that being Gunson is actually a half backward step, and that you're, you've lost your nerve a bit in terms of the, the hard rebuild. What, so what do you say to that? Oh, yeah, no, this is very much part of the strategy of, of you know, we're, we've got a clear plan to invest in the development of our playing group, 
and embed a game plan that'll win finals when our time comes. That's that's been the narrative. You would have heard me say that a thousand times on on different outlets in terms of when I've been interviewed. So the question then is, they're saying, well, how does Gunston fit into that uh, clear plan on investing in development? We see Jack and and did so even at you know the end of of twenty two that we didn't want him to go. We felt he had a big part to play still in our group um, around developing the next group of players, forwards probably in particular, that were going to be premiership players for us. And what we've seen is, you know, Luke Bruce, if I give, if I use him as the example of who is actually here, the investment, we love what we see Luke do still on the, on the ground. He's had an outstanding season, 40 plus goals again, eighth time I think he's done that. But what you guys don't see is the time that Luke spends with the other small forwards, helping them with their craft and making them better. Now, Dylan Moore would be the first to say that Luke Bruce has had the biggest influence on his career and his ability to play at the level consistently now. Um, Sam Butler is now one who's starting to benefit as Dylan did three or four years ago. And we've got two players who haven't even played yet in, in Jack O'Sullivan and and Josh Bennett's, who are also getting some amazing tuition through Luke Bruce within the week, but not so much on match day because they don't play with him. We feel that Jack has a role to play very, very similar to that with our tall forwards. Now, Mitch Lewis has, has um, been a, a, a person who we've seen do some, some pretty special things in his just over 50 games, but... Um, his development is definitely not at its end point. And we think that Jack can be really beneficial for, for him. Um, Marbiol Chol is a, you know, a developing player in the game. Um, I think the best of Marbiol is, is well and truly in, in front of him. And then, you know, we've got a young Max Ramsden who could be, you know, a 10-year a player for our footy club. So we look at Collingwood, they win the grand final, they've got nine plus 30 year old players sorry they got nine 30 plus year old players in their grand final side we've actually got three on our list before jack come in we've got bruce wingard and frost now wingard won't play any footy in the first half of the season so bringing in jack doesn't mean that our list demographic goes now to this really old group we're the youngest team in the competition by by a fair way at the moment um and we think that bringing in jack allows us to continue to develop those players through the, the the work he'll do with them. But I want to add, Jack still feels that he has got a lot to offer on game day. Um, and and I'm actually really confident that that's true and, and correct as well. Now, will that be for 12 months, two years? Um, will, he be, will he be Tom Hawkins and play till 36? Well, we'll wait and see what, what happens there. But what I do know through through my work, not only in footy, but in, in a, another career in education, is that some people add more value in 12 months than others do in 10 years. And I'm really excited that this next 12 months, and then we'll see what happens after that, I'm really excited what value Jack can add to our football club, um, both on the field and off the field. I think that is uh, probably what every Hawthorne supporter wants to hear, Rob, as well. Um, 
the the question I have on the back of that is um, relating to one of our key position players and where where the recruitment of Gunston leaves somebody like Denver Granger Barras. Is it um, we've seen him drafted as a key defender and then tried in the sort of second half of last year as uh, predominantly as a key forward and showed some real promise, especially at VFL level. Um, do you see Gunston as being able to take somebody like him under the wing or does that push Denver Granger Barras back to say center half back? Yeah, it's a really good question. And and when I, you know, mentioned those tall forwards, I probably should have put Denver in it. I think, I think at the moment, you know, the, the jury is probably not absolutely, you know, steadfast on whether Denver is a forward or a back. Um, I think the preseason will tell us a little bit more of, or about that. Um, but yeah, look, I think the other thing about Jack too, so if we get away from Denver, Jack actually, like the influence Jack had on Will Day in his early years at the football club and Will was playing at the other end of the ground, like he was a back then. Um, so I think that, you know, Jack will also influence players who who aren't just forwards. Um, Denver, yeah, I think it's a it's a watch and see a little bit with Denver. Um, I don't think categorically we ended the season saying he's a forward now, he will never go back. Um, it'll be a bit about how does he come back after another off season, has he put a bit more size on? Does that size help him play a little bit more on the, the tools when he is playing back? And if it does, I think that's where his DNA is, to be honest. Um, but, um, you know, time will probably tell with that one. Barbie or child, when you sit him down in the, the courting process, I'll call it, he would be aware of the criticisms of him. Do you, does he address it? Do you bring it up with him and ask him to answer those questions? You know, the, the ones about, occasional work rate and effort because he's got, a, we all know he's got the package. How does that come up in the conversation when you were talking to him? Well, I, I think what happens with, with every player that you sit down and, and chat with your, your due diligence before you get to the stage of sitting on the couch. Um, and often it seems um, sitting on the couch and having that conversation is that, you know, exactly what are the things that make that player but also what will help that player further their game and their performance. So yes, there's no doubt that, you know, for Marbs, it was, was uh, a conversation around, we first of all talked about the strengths that he'll bring to, to our club if he chose to, to play with Hawthorne and the role that he could play and how we were quite excited. The fact that he, um, you know, I think, I think he could be a good player for us, but I think he could make Mitch Lewis a better player. Um, and we also spoke about, you know, what are the things that have held you back at this point in time from playing regular AFL footy? And, you know, what I walked away from that conversation knowing um, was that Marbs knows exactly what he wants to get out of the game now. He's probably got to that stage where, you know, he he sees that the end is starting to to be closer than it was when he, than when he walked in the door and he doesn't want to have any regrets. So he's got a real commitment to... To wanting to establish himself not not as a player who can play some good footy he wants to become a respected player in the game and he knows that work rate is one of the areas of of his game that he he needs to focus on and he needs to be able to tick that box if he wants to be a player who's considered and respected in the game as a consistent performer one of the things that um really appeals i'm sure to to the the list management team and to sam mitchell about marbio chol is 
his versatility and his ability to play multiple roles. You mentioned how bringing somebody like Chol in will help Mitch Lewis, but um, from a personal perspective, looking at the way that Chol plays as well, I think it also looks to help either Ned Reeves or Lloyd Meek, whoever you know is established as the number one ruck. Because if we saw structurally in throughout points of 2023, it seemed like there was a little bit trying to force a square peg in a round hole by playing two sort of out and out ruckmen, one resting in the forward line. But would it be fair to say, or, or, or tell me if I'm off base completely, that somebody like Marvio Chol can chop out for that five minutes a quarter that, you know, a, a Meek or a Reeves need to be able to have a break in the ruck and actually add value in that space as well? Yeah, I, I think the one thing I'll, I'll first and foremost say is that when it comes to to that part of, of the club, I, I definitely get Sam to guide and our coaches to guide the the... I suppose the the tactical uh, approach that we will take. Um, have we landed? And I've heard them talk about whether we wouldn't play two rucks. I, I wouldn't say that. Um, but could could Marbiol play as a, a a key forward pinch hit ruckman? Most definitely, he has. So he does give you he does give you that flexibility. What we did see this year, though, I'll be honest with you, part of our our review at the end of the year. Um, and Chris Newman's now moved on to to Richmond, but Chris presented on on our forwards. Um, you know, so the data showed us this year that when we played three tools, we actually performed better throughout the season than when we played two. So there's some real opportunity for our tools to put their hand up. What will happen though is that there'll be competition for spots, um, and we like that. We we think that's actually a, a good thing for for our group and. Realistically, I think that's probably the thing that we wouldn't say um, supported high performance for us last year. Okay, we played Cozzy at different times. We played um, Brandon Ryan for those three games. Um, you know, Ramsden got his first look and played a couple of games of AFL footy, but they weren't knocking the door down to get that opportunity. Neither was probably Denver when he played forward. Well, now the demographic of, of these forwards is so much different that you're going to have to play well to play AFL footy. Um, so, you know, it's a, 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 good, a, a really good position for us to be in is that players will be fighting for spots um, and that lifts the performance. With Jack Ginevan, I'm interested to know, again, the sort of due diligence you have to do about, I mean, let's face it, he, 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 he gets the headlines. <laughs> not always everything happens on the field. And it, was he the sort of player that, and I, and I don't know a lot of them are away and what's have you, did you get buy-in from the players? Did you sort of shoot his name to the leadership group and sort of say, boys, what do you reckon as you were sort of contemplating it? Or given the haste with which it happened, the, the players didn't know about it at all? Yeah, no, great question. And again, and this isn't about, uh, you know, Jack Ginnivan. This is about any player that we're bringing to our club. We Our, our playing group is very much wedded to the plan that we have. We're really transparent about what we want to do and we want them to be part of the decision-making or influencing the decision-making through giving us their opinion, their thought, um, not being then the, the tails wagging the dog, but making sure that we are actually being transparent with our playing group so that if they're going to help drive this vision that we have for this footy club, they've got to feel like that they're part of the the ownership of decisions that are made within it. So yes, with Jack, we did, but 
we did with Marbiol. Um, we did when we were talking around Ben Mackay. Um, you know, each time that we get a little bit closer to thinking, hey, we're at that stage now that we're a, a live chance to land this player. Um, our due diligence includes and is not only, um, you know, this part of it, but includes talking to our players about bringing him in. I know the Dylan Moore cup of coffee has been known to uh, to play a role sometimes. Although I'm not sure what that would have happened this time because he's overseas. Yes, yeah, but there's great things called telephones nowadays. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, we really respect our players' um, opinions and, and and what they want for their footy club. Um, so they need to be part of the buy-in of, of the decision-making that we we do. I need to ask this. I just need to get it off my chest. Is part of the decision-making when we go to recruit a player that they have to have supported the Hawks as a kid? Because yeah. it just seems like that we're ticking that box almost every time we bring somebody into the club at the moment. Well, I think the the, the box now is as long as they've had a photo with Sam Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I, I think Sam knew that he was going to be front page of the Herald Sun. There was no way once uh, he knew that there was photos circulating out there that we're going to miss on this one. Absolutely. Now, I just want to ask you about um, Mass D'Ambrosio. Um Looking at our list composition, I would say the role that D'Ambrosio generally plays has been as a running half back. And that's a, a spot on the list, I guess, from our demographic point of view, where we have players like you've mentioned, CJ, Jars, um, you know, uh, Bailey McDonald is a developing player. Henry Hutswaite can play off the halfback line. Uh, Harry Morrison plays that role a little bit. We even saw Car uh, Carl Amon sort of play sort of more as a defensive wingman in the second half of the year. Um, what was the reasoning to go out and get somebody like D'Ambrosio to add to that list? Is it purely because he's just a beautiful kick of the footy and you can't have too many of those players? Or do you see him playing a slightly different role? Yeah, I think I think the the point that you made, um, his his left foot uh, is is as good as uh, is in the game for a player of his age. Um, he is a really great user. And the other part about him is that you know, like he can, he's he was a mid season draft player the season before last, but he's already proven that he can play at the level. Like I think there was a game in round three where he had twenty seven. Um, his first game when he when he played for Eston last year, I remember watching it. The reason we were watching it was because we actually wanted to take him in that mid-season draft. He got picked before us. Um, we, I, I was watching that game, and his first quarter, I think he had ten or eleven possessions. Mm. So the kid, the kid has shown already that he can play at the level. He's got a great left foot. We think he 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 can play halfback or wing. So we think he's got some some versatility there. Um, we, we are also thinking that CJ might play a little bit higher up the ground too. So both those players might have a little bit of versatility to play, you know, halfback and wing. And what I go back to is exactly what we talked about with those that four group. We, we want that competition for spots because we think in terms of investing in development of our group, part of investing in our development of, in our group is to make sure that you don't get picked without being, um, you know, a performing player deserves to play at the level. I want to ask you about Brandon Ryan, uh, who one day will tell his grandkids about the most incredible 2023, where he started from, where he finished. So uh, just walk me through that process, because you'd offered him, a, or he'd re-signed for another year. 
But then it's reported that uh, Chris Fagan went and caught up with him when he was in Queensland. Were you aware of that at the time? And when it was clear that Brisbane were interested, did you think, oh, hang on, let's bump him up to two years now to make it a harder choice for him? Because in the end, it's a very sound business choice for him and the club. But yeah, it strikes me he might be the one that might come back and bite you on the bum a bit. Yeah, I, I think, again, yeah, you have to make some some decisions in this game that, um, you know, you don't always have the the result or the answer that um, that you need before making the decision. So you have to you have to gauge it on a number of different things. So let's go, if we talk a bit more about Brandon, yeah, we picked him up in the mid-season draft. Um, don't know whether he would have been playing AFL footy this year if we didn't do that. So that was our second pick. Um, so the investment in in him by us early was was strong. We played him early. We probably played him before. Again, this is this thing about about earning a game. We we definitely wanted to see him before the end of the season. So we we played him. Um, I think it was against the Saints at Marvel, um, and then he played three games for for the season. Um, what I would say about that one is that when the the interest started. And it was late. I was I was actually up in Sydney um, with our AFLW group last weekend, and that's where I I first got the the information that that um, you know Brisbane was circling a little bit around him. Uh, when it become a, a future second pick, you then have to do more or less your 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 strategic insight has to tell you is is this a deal too good to knock back. Or is this a deal that we should not have, you know, as a consideration? And it was a deal that was too good to knock back, to be honest. And and this is the tough part about our game. Um, you'd, you'd love to bring any player you bring into the club, you'd love them to, to be with you for the journey. But if you're going to build draft asset and then be able to play in this game of trade and, and free agency, you actually have to have players go out. And you have to have players that other teams want go out. And even better if they're in contract. Um, because, again, that just ratchets up what that value will be. Um, the one thing that we knew was that a future second would definitely unlock Chull. Now, then you start to, to, to hypothesise, okay, which player do we, we need on our list? Um, if he was 20... I think it's Brandon Ryan. He's 26. He's actually same birth year as 10 as months, Paul. 10 months younger than Joel. Yeah. Yep. Same birth year, 10 months younger. Um, so the decision then became, okay, well, same age. One's played three games. One's played 40 odd. One's, one's kicked 40 plus goals in a season. Um, one's shown some, something you know, reasonably special in one game against Collingwood and kicked three. Uh, we just come to the to the decision that the one that we had to have was child. We need we need to improve as a as a as a football team in in this next season. And then you know twenty five and twenty six has got to be sort of a hitting zone for us to to be you know a, a team that starts to play finals and wins finals. So yeah, the the decision, although from a you know when you talk about you know people and players and and you know people in your environment that you love it's difficult but it is the right decision for our club if we're going to deliver on the strategy that we've got 
Rob, I want to get a few big picture uh, question, uh, questions to you before we finish up. Um, the ladder, as you said, that the ladder doesn't lie and you are what your record says you are, but in your heart of hearts and when you reviewed the season at the club, do you think you're the third worst team in the competition? We are if it's over the season because the ladder tells us that we're 16th. Um, oh, look, we, I'm, you know, and I've, I've actually, Sam and I sat down and um, we did his review in his senior coaching performance of, of this year and we, we covered off on a, a lot of, of, of these types of things within that um, couple of hours that we spent together. But realistically, you know, I, I think actually I think I might have said it first on on your um, program that, you know, I went into this year um, not putting probably a games win-loss record out there of what I wanted to achieve. But what I did want to see is that in the second half of the season, we saw some significant growth in comparison to the first half. Um, and we definitely saw that. I think we won, did we win one of our first nine and then, um, you know, six of, of the next 14? I think that was that was probably the numbers. Um, what we also did is, you know, we've got some data of since round 10 in terms of winning quarters of football. Um, we were ninth on the ladder for quarters one since round 10. So the the improvement in the back half of the year was was definitely probably not a, a 16th best side in the competition, but in our game, you measured over 23 home and away games. So you need to to be better than what we were in, in 2023 if you want to even get close to playing finals. So we're acutely aware of that. We're acutely aware of, of the improvement and... We're acutely aware of, of the fact that well, I think we've made some decisions that that help us get better in this trade period. We've got to pick four. Should be three. Um, we've got to pick four in the national draft. Um, and we've got some other decisions hopefully to make that will make us better post that pick four. Um, those, those are signs that um, you know give me a lot of confidence that uh, we give ourselves a, a really good chance to start next year um healthier than what we started 2023 and the other part of it that's really really important is that we've got a playing group that i think without the trade period without the draft i think we've got a playing group that actually still has a lot of upside they're young we were the youngest side as i said to you you know at the, the start of this when we we're talking about guns and we're the youngest side in the competition um we've had a group now that's played i think i, I I showed Sam yesterday, there's 20 odd players now that have played 20 plus games under his coaching. They're starting to understand exactly how he wants to play the game. They're building synergy with each other. You know, Reeves, Newcomb, Day, Nash, Warple have had one season together as, as a midfield. I think we all got excited by what we saw by the end of the season, but I think there's a, there's a real improvement in, in that group still. So Without even the things that we talked about initially, you know, I'd, I would have thought that we would have been a better side next year anyway. Rob, there's an there's actually an argument that the vast majority of the improvement does come from those younger players, and and you mentioned, um, you know, Day, Newcomb, Reeves, so on and so forth. Um, personally, I'm looking at um, the the probably the tier under the the Josh Wards, uh, the Connor McDonalds. 
um, you know, the Cam McKenzie's as they get and, and Henry Husswaite's as they get used to the rigors of, of AFL after a full preseason, hopefully um, in this, this sort of coming preseason. We spoke uh, at the gold carpet at the uh, the Peter Crimmins medal to Josh Ward, who indicated uh, a transition sort of from more outside to more inside next year. Um, is there any plans for Connor McDonald to move away from the half forward flank and into the midfield mix as well? Because we saw him play that role as a junior. And even in his one game at Box Hill that he played this year, he absolutely dominated as an inside mid. High 20s, I think he had in that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I think I think Connor's always been seen by us as a player that um, we think will will probably finish as a player who who plays both midfield and forward. Um, so even at different times in AFL games over his first two years, he's he's had some exposure to to playing inside, um, and he's one of those players. That he adds a bit of a point of difference in terms of the way that he plays as a mid. Um, so yeah, look, I, I think we'll continue to develop Connor. We're really pleased. Like, you know, one of the things around, you know, the, the strategy that we, we started under Sam was, was investing these games into these young kids, you know, like McDonald's played 40, 40 something games already. I think just maybe ticked over 40, um, in two seasons of 40, like, you know, his, his ability now to take another step with 40 games under his belt instead of possibly, you know, your first two seasons of footy, you play 20. Um, you know, it does mean that the, that we should see some fast-track development for him. And, yes, midfield, I think, will be part of, of that journey. Um, I don't think it'll it'll be a starting mid. Um, I think we saw the Peter Crimmins medal. A few boys will be getting their nose out of joint if um, if Connor McDonald is the, the starting mid round one. But I, I think what we'll, we'll see is we'll see, you know, him start to to evolve his game and, um, you know, probably consolidated as well. Um, that's really important as well. A couple of questions around coaching. Um, who will replace Chris Newman as the forwards coach? Have you gone down that path of working that out yet? Um, you can have three forward coaches in three years. So that also poses questions about system. And also uh, Brett Ratton, who universal, universally accepted as a wonderful person to have back at the footy club he said in his interview on the Hawks website that he'll be taking helping Sam almost taking a couple of things off Sam's plate now that he's at the footy club can you elaborate on, on what on on those yeah okay so um the replacement for for Chris Newman will actually um we'll look to do that internally so Adrian Hickmott um he his role within our our football program as assistant coach wasn't to align so we've got some real flexibility with him now that we've brought Brett into the program as well. Um, but we've also got, you know, a decision to make around, you know, we've got a Zane Littlejohn who could step from Box Hill to there. Um, so we haven't quite finalised that, but we we feel that with Brett coming in, we've actually got the flexibility within our own ranks to make a decision there. Um, so watch this space on that one. Um, the second one around Brett and his role. So his role is... Uh, so he's head of, of coaching performance and development. So he's going to help all our coaches in their journey as, as um, you know, coaches and, and trying to be their best self in that role. So he will work with Sam, um, but he also work with, you know, 
Dave McKay and Zane Littlejohn and, and Andy Collins, who are, are development coaches as well. Um, and all that sits in between that. What will he do for, for Sam? I think what he'll do for Sam is that um, he'll be a great sounding board for someone who's who's been in that job for, I think it's 198 games Rats has, has coached at senior level. Um, he'll be a great sounding board for, for Sam around the the rigours of, of senior coaching. But what he'll also be is, you know, a person that can support Sam to do what is the most important work. What happens is a senior coach often gets stretched really, really, really thin. Um, and when that happens, their focus isn't on the most important things that deliver, you know, success on field. So we're really, really, um, you know, pointed around rats being the person that anything that looks like it's taking Sam away from, from game plan, from de development, from relationships, um, Rats will, will pick up the slack of what a senior coach would do in those spaces. Um, he's such a great people person, uh, Brett Ratton. We're, we are so fortunate to, to have him um, at the Hawks again. Um, his, his ability to sit down with, with people, build a, a connection, and then hear and listen to their story and then support them in their growth in what they want to do is second to none. We are we are so lucky that um, you know that Brett chose to to return to Hawthorne and had some other opportunities too. Um, liked what he saw in terms of what we were doing and wanted to be part of it. He will make a difference. Now, uh, obviously, one of the key um, signings for the club last off season was. Uh, Peter Burge in his in his role. Um, looking ahead to preseason, is Chankwath Giath one of his, I guess, biggest projects in the offseason in terms of, you know, we know how damaging and um, important uh, CJ can be for this Hawthorne outfit, but we just weren't able to see him consistently fit and at, an, at a level to be able to impact that AFL uh, at AFL level, is that one of the pr key priorities for uh, Burgie in the off season? Yeah. So a little bit of a backstory. So Chankworth only played eight games. So you're 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 on the money that you know a player who's you know really important to to the growth and development of us as a team. But his growth and development comes from playing, um, and only got eight games this year. So he's definitely a priority for us to get right. I think the other thing I want to say first and foremost about that, though, that team, and that's Peter Birch as the head of high performance, but there's Zane uh, uh, Leonard, who's our strength and conditioning coach. There's there's Andrew Lambert, um, Ben Jansen, and Jack Price in our, our sort of uh, physio and rehab team. And then we've got three doctors led by Liam, Liam West. That medical team has managed this group in 2023 amazingly well I think we'd have the lowest games missed per squad across the the competition the one that didn't work out for us this year was was Jaff uh, and Chankwath um, is you know a player who just loves the game um, so you know the frustrations for him have have been there throughout this season we will you know we'll even look to send um, Chankwath He's now starting to get getting moving and, and running again. We're actually looking to send him overseas to do a little bit of work. That's our 
how important you know he is to us an important resource that we will invest heavily in to to have him right for 2024 um is um tell us the decision with wingard to re-sign him i mean people were it, it divided the fan base i thought it sent a fantastic message to re-sign him. No, you're not going to get a lot out of him for next season at a tricky stage of his career, but I just thought it reinforced what the club is striving to be once again. What was, the, was it was a, a tough call to make or was it a fairly straightforward call to make? Well, not it wasn't a tough call for me. Um, look, we'd started negotiations around his contract um, and for, for me... If we're going to stand for for anything as a football club, with our integrity and and how we we work and deal with our people is going to be something that we should be measured on. Um, so we'd started uh, that negotiation um, in in good faith, but I'll add something to that: in good faith, that needed to continue. Um, but I'd also say. Um, Chad will play the back end of, of 2024. Um, and again, without putting ceilings on things, if if we're growing as a group um, and you get eight to 10 games out of, of Chad in the back end of the year and and some of those games, um, you know, give you victories that that uh, are much needed, I think it'll, it'll still be a really good, you know, football decision outside of just a, a you know, a, an integrity decision around what is right at that time so yeah i think you know our football club has to stand for for doing the right things at the right time and i believe that was the right thing at the right time which was the best i mean collingwood win was the best win of the year i mean that that was the game that hawthorne people went away from 40 saying this is there's something happening here but what was the most important win of the year what I'm not going to say is that um, because we beat Collingwood, we should have won the premiership. So <laughs> I'll definitely, I definitely won't make that statement. We beat the Lions too, to be fair. Yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not making that statement. <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, outside of just obviously that one. Um, what was the I, – I look, the, the Brisbane one was a, a ripper as well, but gee, that Saints one – at Marvel, like that was that was a that was at a period of time where I think we might have only been the two wins. I think it might have been North and, and West Coast. Um, so at that stage of the year, you were still saying, "Well, they are the sixteenth best side," and 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 you know probably a fair way off fifteenth, fourteenth, thirteenth. But that Saints one. And there's so many with, you know, the, the beauty about football clubs is that you get so many great photos that are taken on match day that capture the spirit and the love and the connection that players have. Um, as that last quarter rolled on and um, and we got closer and then it edged, uh, you know, a little way in front, the, the different times after goals of our players coming together um, and the joy, the absolute joy of this group that are young, that are invested, that are connected, that are wanting to, to achieve success in the game. It was nearly like, for mine, that was nearly like a light bulb moment moment for them to say, hey, we've still got a lot of work to do, but if we get things right, 
there's some really good things to achieve in this game and we're capable. So for mine, for mine maybe, and it's only today's reflection that's that's helped me go there. And I've actually got goosebumps on my on my legs as I as I as I talk about this because I I I just see how committed, um, dedicated, driven this group of 24 and younger players are. Not that the others aren't, but we've just got such a big group of players who are 24 and younger that are hell-bent on being successful Hawthorne players as they have seen others be at our club um, over the journey. There's a couple more and we'll let you go. This has been wonderful, Rob. What um, are the coaches, I know the players are all over the place, are the coaches on their study trips and leave and that sort of thing? Are any coaches doing some interesting uh, study projects at this time of year? Yeah, well, one of the things I'm really strong on is that um, that's often that's often the, well, I, th- I think it's changing now, but often if we were going back maybe 10 years ago, you know, the, the priority was for coaches to do things. You know, coaches who need to do their PD in the, in the off-season. What we've we've structured here at, at Hawthorne is that everyone in our football department has to do three days of, of PD in the period of time when we finish to when we come back. We come back on as a staff on November the one November one. Um, and in a lot of cases, they are, you know, visits to other organizations that do similar work to what we do. Um, but you get a, another perspective of of what they do and and um, you know how they structure things, how they how they measure their performance, how they um, build the culture within their team. You know, so many incidentals as well as so many specifics about the roles that that each of our people have had. So, you know, people from our footy ops team are doing that. Um, you know, our wellbeing team, our medical team, our our analytics team, and our coaches. To give you, I suppose, our fans are probably a bit more interested in the in the coaching group um sam and and adrian hickmott are, i think they're about to board a plane tomorrow they're off to to uh england and um to tottenham um with Ange. and that's not work for sam that's just being a fanboy yeah so he's got a week there they've got they're, they're going to see the bookends of two games um one at home and and one away so and then the full week in between so they get there, they see a game, um, they then spend the week within the program seeing how they review it and then how they prepare for the next one. I, I reckon I, I saw the itinerary yesterday, I think it was Sunday and then Friday game. So the turnarounds, you know, relatively quick, which sometimes can be what we do. Um, so some really good learning learning there, I'm sure. And and Sam has spent a bit of time, obviously, with with Ange, not just at Tottenham, but, um, you know, in his previous coaching stints in uh, in Scotland, wasn't it? The Celtics. Yeah. And last sort of question I've got is what the players had a couple of days at the club after the season before they dispersed. What was the guts? What can you tell us Sam's message? What was the theme of his last address to the players before they went off? They like to leave them with plant a seed. What was, uh, what was the guts of that before they all went off and did their own thing? Uh, I think, I think the, the big part um, with, with Sam is that he wants the players to to understand that you know the to be successful in the game requires you know to work really hard to connect with each other um, and to drive the standards of of high performance. So 
his his messages are always linked within those those three areas. But we actually told a little bit of a story of um, on that that last time we were together. We actually had uh, Luke Bruce, Jai Newcomb, and James Sisley were nominators in the All Australian squad. So we just told a little bit of a story about those those three. Um, if you're an older player and you believe that your best performances are behind you, then you probably shouldn't be in the game. And the thing that has made Luke Bruce a player is that he goes away on every off-season believing that he'll come back and he can be a better player the next season. So that was a message to the older boys that if you if you really want to be a player in this game, don't put a ceiling on what your age entitles you to achieve. Um, then we went to to Jai Newcomb and we said, well, you know, this guy was was only in the game, wasn't in the game two and a half years ago. He's a bit like a number of our, you know, first year boys who were who were just finishing their first season at the start of of this year. You don't have to, you don't have to be in the game for five years to achieve great things in the game. You can you can stamp your authority right from the day you walk in the door. And then the third one was James Sicily. And his was, he'd spent two years ago, he'd spent a season out of the game. So if you've been this year and, you know, probably Chancloth is, is, is one of these boys. If you've spent this year frustrated with injury, haven't played a lot, um, haven't got the opportunity because your body hasn't looked after you, you can turn that around in an off season. So it was a message that nearly covered the breadth of our group that, if you want to achieve in this game, you've got to go away with a plan, you've got to work hard, and you've got to make sure that you don't set limits on what you can do in the game. One additional question before we go is, I know fixturing is its commercial ops and it's an AFL decision, but if Ash Klein walked downstairs and said, the AFL want to give us a couple of primetime games next year, do you think the boys are ready? What would you say? I'd, I'd nearly fall off my seat. Um, <laughs> You're talking about Fridays. We I didn't know we played. Fridays. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd be pretty excited. Um, are they ready for it? Yeah, I'll tell you right there. One of the things that when we played that Collingwood game, the one of the build-ups that we spoke about with that game was that we we need to to see how we perform in games like this because we want to play in games like this regularly in the future. Um, and yeah, we were really impressed with with how our group built their way up to that game, um, performed in that game, but then were sort of humble enough after that game to get ready for the next one. So, yeah, look, we we um, we feel that that this group is is growing in front of our eyes every day. Um, they're not there yet. Don't get me wrong. They've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of work to do. Everyone in our footy department needs to, to you know, have this thirst for for, for being better, um, players and staff. But we are we are growing in in front of our eyes every day, and and they are players that actually want the big moments. Um, and you know, I think um, we'll see some really some pleasing results next year as as um, as we head into twenty twenty four.
Well, we'll leave it there, Rob. You've been really generous with your time. We thank you so much for joining us on Hawks Insiders. Uh, given that you're now part of the family here, uh, we'll probably try and get you on just before the start of the season to wrap up the preseason and set some uh, build some more excitement. But uh, enjoy the rest. Have you got a break coming up, or do you press on to? Oh, how's yes, it go I, for you? I'm pretty excited. Um, I haven't had one uh, yet. A lot of our footy department have, have enjoyed a few uh, weeks already, which is well deserved. Um, I'm actually, uh, I'm leaving, uh, to the sunny Gold Coast tomorrow with my wife and, um, we're going to have a few days, 10 days, I think up there, which will be fabulous. Really looking forward to it. Oh, well, well deserved for you as well. So thanks for your time. Enjoy the break. Um, we look forward to the build up to the draft and I think the Hawks have a bit of work to do around there. And I think it's an exciting couple of days as well. Uh, and we'll talk to you again before the start of the season. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you. And, and again, I, you know, like. Um, your your program is is a program that definitely dissects is is uh, is fair in in its assessment when we deserve credit, but also fair in the assessment when we need to kick up the bum. And um, yeah, we appreciate that uh, you know the the way that you bring our Hawthorne fans on the journey with with um, the conversations you have with with players and yourselves at different times. Um, it really helps build the brand that we're trying to build. Yeah, that's what we try to do. We uh, we we don't we 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 issue a kick up the bum occasionally. Yeah, we've got one member who's not with us today. He's very good at it, but uh, yeah, we, we we try to we try to see both sides of it. So thank you, Rob. Uh, thanks for joining us. No worries. Good on you guys. That was Rob McCartney, uh, and the candor's wonderful, isn't it, Danny? Oh, he's fantastic. I I could speak to Rob McCartney every second week. He's. Uh, Inside, I think he'd be happy to speak to us every yeah, day. I, I think he would too. We haven't had that many compliments in a short space of time ever. Um, but I, I think you know the the insight that he gives, the the reflective nature of the way that he's that he communicates. Um, you know, even even the little the little uh, jokes in between around uh, pick three, pick four. You know, the that yes. sort of stuff's absolute gold, and it gives you an insight uh, without giving anything any trade secrets away, but. Um, I just think when you speak to somebody like Rob, how can you not be bullish about the path that these Hawks are on? You know, he's connected to a day to day to day and, and he sees, especially this group of youngsters, the, the 24 and under, as he referred to, and their hunger, their drive, their passion. And if they're led by the coaching group that they are with the additions of Brett Ratton and, and so this off season, you know, the sky's the limit and they talk about no ceilings, uh, you know, that that's clearly the motto that the Hawks have going forward. Yeah, I think uh, they're well into the ride now, and I think it's uh, for supporters, it, it's quite a lot of fun. So that's been our chat with uh, Rob McCartney. Um, spread the word. I think it's a chat that uh, all Hawthorne fans will want to listen to. Um, thanks to everyone for listening to this uh, Hawks Insiders podcast. Uh, spaces, I think, are back every Wednesday or Thursday for the time being. There's always a bit to get through lots of great written content on the Substack as well. So we thank you for your support of that $5 a month, $50 a year for what we think is pretty good and reasonably informed Hawthorne content. Danny, enjoy your weekend. Thanks, Ash. And look, not only we think it's pretty informed uh, Hawthorne content, Rob McCartney does. <laughs> does so. as well, that's right. No, great. And he's given a couple of news stories today with, um, we'll have to get those up into the Substack pretty quickly, uh, being uh CJ and Sam Mitchell. So uh, we'll get that up quickly. Thanks to everyone for uh, joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. This was a 
another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne Footy Club coverage.